This is the John Oakley Show podcast. You might recall this uh, rather uh, tragic situation back in 2011 when a constable, Garrett Stiles, up in Innisville with the York Regional Police, uh, stopped a van that was being taken for a joyride by a young individual who was uh, so young at the time he couldn't be named. He was 15, and uh, one thing led to another. Styles tried to take the keys from the young man. Young man bolted in the van about 300 meters. It rolled over into a ditch, crushed Styles. Uh, he had breathed his last, and uh, his last, I guess, act was to uh, phone the emergency service 911 that this episode uh, had been, you know, taking place. And the young individual ends up a quadriplegic, but he was also sentenced in 2015. Uh, to a conditional supervision order for nine years, but no time behind bars, uh, the judge having determined that he, for all intents and purposes, was already serving a life sentence as a result of his physical state and that he had been rehabilitated. So really, uh, what gives in all of this, because this is an appeal now that's been lodged earlier, uh, the appeal court decides they're going to hear this case, saying that the original trial judge erred uh, in his directions to the jurors. Joseph Newberger is Global News Radio's legal expert with Newberger and Partners, and he's here to clarify. Joseph, how goes it? Very good. How are you, John? Very good, but uh, I'm confused now. Uh, here we have the story. I think we all full well remember, do we not? Absolutely. Very tragic. We all remember this. But, I mean, appealing his conviction, this is the 15-year-old now, or he yep. was at the time, alleging the trial judge made several legal errors and that the first-degree murder verdict was unreasonable, uh, on what premise? Well, this case has significant legal value in the sense that if the judge failed to instruct the jury that they were to take into consideration the age and maturity of the accused, being 15, and if if you've had a 15-year-old young boy in your house, you know that they are not the most rational or logical thinking individuals, and the uh, age and maturity of the individual directly goes to their thinking processes and their state of mind because the first degree is premised on planning and deliberation, knowing that you're going to kill somebody. So I find that a first degree in these facts, leaving aside the tragedy, is really unreasonable. And I doubt that in those circumstances, a 15 year old would have formed the intent for first degree murder. So there's significant value here from a, a precedential value for other cases. All right, so first degree is premeditated, but uh, at the very least, could we say that any individual, regardless of age, might reasonably know that if they hit the accelerator uh, and you drag the cop, it could lead to tragic consequences? Shouldn't he have known that? I mean, I know that the uh, the, the defense is suggesting that as a 15-year-old, he just panicked. He hit the accelerator right. when uh, Constable Stiles was trying to reach in to either take the keys or undo his his uh, safety belt there, uh, his seat belt. So could he not, though, have been found to uh, at least have been reasonable enough to know that uh, this was not going to end well? Well, again, for a first or a second degree, you need specific intent, and that's the law in Canada and the United States, So, you, and, and the U.K., of course, so Commonwealth countries. So the person has to form the specific intent for second-degree murder, which would be you know, either to kill or to inflict grievous bodily harm, knowing that it's likely to cause death. So again, the state of mind of that individual and their process is really important. It equally could be plausible that uh, a 15-year-old would simply panic because they're about to be apprehended and all the other stuff and just drive off in a, a ridiculous manner without thinking about 
consequences or forming intent. And so that could mean a manslaughter or a criminal negligence causing death as opposed to a first or second degree murder. Again, with Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert on this uh, tragic case of uh, Garrett Stiles being crushed by the van that he was hoping to apprehend, or at least its driver, taking a joyride in the wee hours of the morning back in the summer of 2011. So, it, you know, I, I guess I get flustered because it seems to me like uh, the law certainly does give the benefit of the doubt to minors. And uh, whereas if he had been one day over the age of 18, it might have se- been seen in a different light. Is that about right? Maybe. But, you know, again, if somebody was 18 years of age um, and in similar circumstances, let's say they took the car without consent, um, even though they had a license, uh, you might want to consider the particular circumstances of the individual. And again, whether you could find evidence to support a first degree murder, I think, or even a second degree murder would very much be at issue in a trial like that, even if somebody was 18 or 19. And in, in cases, they are contextualized. You still have to consider is is the specific intent um, actually made out in the case. So that applies, I think, equally to somebody who would be 18 or 19. And and even an adult in certain circumstances, you could have an adult who has a diminished cognitive ability. And so if they're suffering from something like that, you know, is that a factor to take into consideration? So I could see how this would apply, you know, in other cases. And I don't think it's that we're being lenient on a 15-year-old or a youth. But the reality, it is a 15-year-old. It's, it's not a 52-year-old. And so there are very significant differences uh, in the brain of a 15-year-old. We, we know that, again, the brain doesn't fully develop for these individuals until they're, for children until they're about 21 to 25. And, you know, cognitive processes are different. So we have to take this into consideration. And the way this may factor out, if you get the right verdict, is really how you do the sentencing and the sentencing in this case was, you know, nine years of supervision, where the young man is unfortunately a quadriplegic, and you're never going to undo the harm to uh, Constable Styles or to his family. It's completely tragic. Very bad decisions that night that re- that you know rendered this tragedy, and it's terrible. But we still have to be careful about the factors that are taken into consideration at a trial. Well, and this is what the judge found. You cited a conditional supervision order for nine years, okay, uh, because he's already effectively serving a life sentence because he's a quadriplegic. Uh, You know, some people might quibble with that and say, you know, uh, he still deserves some time deprived of his liberty. Uh, But do we even have the facilities to accommodate quadriplegics in, say, a jail, albeit uh, because he was 15 at the time? There's a good chance it would have been just a youth detention facility. Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent question. I mean, I, I can tell you that uh, handling uh, in a proper way as somebody who is a quadriplegic within a detention facility would be exceptionally costly because you'll have to put in added resources to accommodate all the needs of somebody who is a quadriplegic. And um, when you talk about deprivation of liberty, their their liberty is, de- is, is gone. I mean, yes, they may be able to stay in a house and go out and, you know, see the sun at some point of the day, but really they are serving a, a very significant sentence as a result of their own stupid behavior that caused so much tragedy. But you're right. I mean, in the detention facility or the youth correctional facility, they, they're not really geared up for this type of uh, management of an individual in that condition. Yeah, so nothing to be gained by incarceration except for perhaps a punitive uh, type of uh, psychic gratification for the public. Yeah, although there has to be some punitive component. There has to be denunciation and, and, and a 
punitive component because it resulted in an officer's death in circumstances where the youth should have just remained, let the officer get him out of the car, and that would be the end of it. And so I do agree that there has to be a punitive element, but you take everything into consideration. And I think the judge's comments were correct in that way, that one of the punitive elements, and frankly, when you look at it from a deterrent standpoint, you act like this, you wind up becoming, you can, you'll kill somebody, but you'll wind up also becoming quadriplegic or killing yourself. So hopefully that would be a significant statement in that regard. I'm guessing, Joe, you know, back in the day before, I guess, uh, capital punishment was abolished or the last hangings at the dawn took place in the 60s, uh, killing a cop would have been seen as a capital offense, albeit he was a youth. This was uh, under the age of majority. But in certain circumstances, if he had been 18 or older uh, and back in the day, would that have resulted in, let's say, a, a sentence of death? Well, you know, prior to the abolishment, if it was a first degree or a capital crime, uh, if it involved the death of a police officer, and, you know, it could result in that. But we've evolved in Canada and most uh, Commonwealth countries where death penalty has been abolished. The United States is, still has it in some uh, of their states, but uh, we've moved beyond that. And leaving aside this particular case, you always have to be careful of those wrongful convictions because when somebody's put to death, there's no way to undo that. Yeah. All right. Well, you say we've evolved and moved beyond that. You you have not read the message boards attendant to yeah. this story. I <laughs> have actually. I, I've read I read the Toronto Sun article and all the message boards, and I'm I'm sad at it because really we need you know we have such a great country because of our of many systems in in this country, including our criminal justice system and our social system, and and we really should be proud of our country. And tragedies like this are horrible, but thank God they're few and far between. And in this case, it's a tragedy for both, and, and we got to have integrity for our system and make sure that each trial is dealt with fairly. And that's what separates us from closed societies, like you, know, see, you see what goes on in Russia and other countries. So in the end, really, we should be proud of the system we have. Enough said. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you, Joseph. My pleasure. Have a great show as usual. Thank you, Joseph Newberger, Global News Radio's legal expert with Newberger and Partners. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.